Hey there film fans and welcome to another of our Spotlight episodes. This week it's all about masculinity, masquerade and genetic impersonation as we take a rewatch of the 1997 movie starring Ethan Hawke, Jude Law and Eamon Thurman. A movie that didn't set the box office alight at the time for its release but is praised by critics calling it an intelligently conceived sci-fi thriller. We would expect nothing less when it's Niall O'Brien's choice. This week we are shining a light on Gattaca. Let's roll titles. Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and Niall have made a podcast. It's the real take, breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. It is The Real Take, the podcast by film fans, for film fans. Please do like and subscribe to The Real Take wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss another episode. And Niall and Ross are here. How are you doing, guys? I am performing to my full genetic potential. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm the... (laughs) No, I'm the other guy. (laughs) We all know that I'm I'm the degenerate and you're the... What if, is it? The, if we were in twins, valid in this. I've, yeah. I have a feeling I'd be Danny DeVito, <laughs> <laughs> who was a producer on this movie as well. Yes, yeah. random, yeah. exactly. Random, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I I completely got confused with this. Okay, because I keep thinking that I had seen this movie when, in fact, I actually hadn't seen this at all. I kept getting this mixed up with another movie that only has the fact that it's a sci-fi and Jude Law in it and that's uh, Existein Z which is not I think, I think it's pronounced it's pronounced Existens from ah, what, ex- what I remember oh, Existen Z <laughs> <laughs> no just Existens because I, I saw that in the cinema it is a couple of years after Gattaca but yeah uh, um, yeah, uh, Existence, David Cronenberg, of course, um, and it does have a couple of things in common, I guess. It's a, it's a, a, a what would you say, an offbeat view of a future world and yeah. Jude Law is in there. So Yeah, and yeah, see, that's I why I got mixed up as well, because I really thought it was Battlestar Galactica. Because <laughs> the names are similar more than anything else. Yeah, well, the reason I this I was reminded of this film because I I do remember going to see it in the cinema, but way back in nineteen ninety eight it was in Ireland, but it was made in nineteen ninety seven, um was because one of your picks for our spotlight episode Ross was Starship Troopers, and I yes. think it actually has a lot in common with Starship Troopers, strangely <laughs> enough, although they are wildly different in their tone mm. and approach. But maybe we can talk about that towards the end. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so as you rightly say, this was my pick, and this is why that's why I picked it. I kind of went, "Oh yeah, Gattaca, I love that film." Um, let's talk about that. And I don't know, like, I'm surprised that neither of you have seen it because, um, I think it is a, a fantastic movie, and I'm delighted to hear what you thought about it. I'm one of the great things about these spotlight episodes is introducing fellow film fans to films that you think mm. are great. Yeah. So, um, spoiler for what I think about it. Uh, so this is from 1997, as I say, directed by Andrew Nichol, who's a name that you might not know, but you will know some of the films that he's uh, been involved with. It has a fantastic cast. Talk about a, a list of bangers as the credits come up. You've got Ethan Hawke in there, Jude Law, Uma Thurman, Alan Arkin, who doesn't like him, <laughs> Ernest Borgnine, Tony Shalhoub and Gore Vidal for the more intellectuals among you. 
So uh, I'm going to quickly run through the plot and then I'll tell you a little bit, Andrew Nichol, the director and writer. So the plot of this film, we are in a near future society where eugenics has become dominant. So society is divided into two castes, valid or genetically engineered or the invalid, meaning that they have been conceived naturally. In this world, all of the prestigious jobs go to the valids, while the invalids are stuck with the menial work. So they are the caretakers or the cleaners or what have you. In this world, we meet Vincent Freeman, played by Ethan Hawke, who we meet him as a young child and he has been conceived naturally. He is what in the in the film is referred to a little bit clunkily, I think, as a God child because they've <laughs> left it all up to, to chance, chance whatever, as yeah. opposed to going to a doctor and going, I'd like dark hair, I'd like pale skin, I'd like all of this stuff. Like um, a baby and, with a six pack. Exactly, yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, he must be able to play Mozart. And he must yes. be able to play Mozart with six fingers, but yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that later on. Yeah. So... <laughs> Vincent, who we meet, he, we see him as a young child. He dreams of traveling into outer space, but because of his status as an invalid and genetically inferior uh, person, he, he is going, he can't basically, there's not a chance of it happening. He talks a lot about, or in the opening of the, of the, of the film, we find out that it's illegal to, um, to be prejudiced against people who have been uh, naturally conceived but it happens because all you have to do is shake someone's hand or they have to get a little skin sample from when you touch the doorknob and they can run your DNA test and find out that as we find out in this you are this percent likely to have a congenital heart problem or this percent likely to have some kind of neurological disorder but Vincent played by Ethan Hawke as I say decides that he's going to fight his fate by going into the underground and purchasing the history and genetics of a character called Jerome Morrow, who's played in this film by Jude Law. And I think it's probably one of his first Hollywood movies. Yeah, it's isn't it coming kind of around? Had he done Ripley, the talented Mr. Ripley? Oh, no, that was that was a couple of years after. This, yes, 99. Yeah. yeah, so it's even before enough. all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he'd been in one US movie before that. It was a rom-com called I Love You, I Love You Not, which, by the way, just based on the <laughs> okay. title, sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, well, we've, we maybe we'll do a spotlight about that, but I don't think so. So Jerome Morrow, played by Jude Law, who is a genetically superior person, a former athlete, but is now confined to a wheelchair after a car accident. So Vincent assumes Jerome's DNA identity and he joins the Gattaca space program. And that involves a daily regime where he has to meticulously divest himself of any vestige of his own cells or biological material, his saliva, his hair, follicles, and he has to use samples of Jerome's biological material in order to pass the stringent screening tests that all of the Gattaca Space Corp personnel have to submit to daily. And by joining the company, he gets to rise through the ranks to the level of Navigator First Class and he is awarded a coveted spot on an upcoming mission to Jupiter's moon Titan. But things become more complicated because he falls in love with another Navigator, Irene, played by Uma Thurman. And there is also the fact that there is an investigation into the death of a mission controller who may or may not have been very close to discovering Vincent's secret. And this throws an extra scrutiny on the entire mission launch. So I don't really want to say more about the plot of this film. Maybe when we get into deeper discussion, we can than that. 
because I think a lot of the joy of this movie is, or the the enjoyment that I had certainly when I saw it, is finding out, seeing it unravel and unroll as as the plot went along. But what I will do is talk to you about Andrew Nichol, the director and writer. And he is a New Zealand-born screenwriter-director. Uh, he began his career in London. He moved to London when he was 21. And he began successfully directing TV commercials and decided then he wanted to make stories that were longer, in his own words, longer than six minutes. So he moved to Los Angeles to make movies. And he shopped around a couple of scripts that he had and he really kind of became kind of somebody that was on the studio's radar because he had written a, a film about a man who discovered that his life was a construct being filmed and broadcast for the entertainment of the masses. I'm talking, of course, of Ed TV, starring Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> directed by Ron Howard. No, I'm not, because that came out a couple of years after. I'm talking about The Truman Show. <coughs> and One of my he, favourites, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And he did want, he had ideas that he wanted to direct it but what happened was Jim Carrey signed on the budget became something around 60 million and the studio was not going to trust this film to an untried director but he did have another script that he was shopping around at the same time um, and that film like a lot of his other scripts that he'd written um, and would go on to direct it was what's called a high concept idea have have you come across the term high, con high concept script before? Yes. yes, and yeah. people like to throw around what it means, but actually it's quite a simple meaning. It's something that can be described, or the, the plot of the movie can be described in like a sentence. Isn't that the real definition Basically, of it? yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. people talk talk about elevator pitches now, don't they? Yeah. And, uh, if, you're, if you're in the elevator with the producer and you're kind of go, I got this great, great idea about, about guys who bust ghosts. Will you give yeah. me yeah, money yeah. for it? You know, but but uh, usually it's it's uh, it's connected to sci-fi or something like that. It's something like, give me two minutes and I'll tell you what the film is about. Mm. Um, but the script that that the studio did want that they liked as well, and they were more, more willing to take a gamble on him as a director on was the script that eventually became Gattaca. It had a budget that was about half of what the Truman Show was, which sounds like um, a lot still. You know, you're still talking about 30 million. But this was the 90s, guys. Do you remember the 90s? And it was uh, like, yes. there was money everywhere. And mm. 30 million was just peanuts. So they went, yeah, why not? This guy, and he, he, you know, the script is good. We like it. So it came out, as we say, in 1997, eight months before the Truman Show. And he would go on to earn an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for that film and a BAFTA as well. Uh, and, um, oh, sorry, no, he got a nomination. He didn't win. Um, but uh, he would then go on to be the screenwriter and director of films that he became known, I guess, as the guy who took societal or political issues and put them through the lens of a fantasy sci-fi movie apart from Gattaca and the Truman Show which you can certainly see that in he would go on to write and direct uh, a film called Simone in oh, 20, 2002 without yeah mm. it's it's spelt S1M0NE and Al Pacino as you say plays a struggling film producer who decides to create a digital actress after the star of his latest film walks off the set so myself and Ross have often thought can we create a digital version of Sinead that <laughs> wow. we don't you know just because of her diva antics but uh, I don't know yeah. um, Actually, and then, that, that's a really interesting as well another just really interesting um, idea for concept movie. yeah, yeah really, like, really, like we really say a high concept thing mm. um, and then also I guess the other movie that he's known for which is a high concept one is In Time in which 
Justin mm. Timberlake oh, and Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. yeah, and it has a lot in common, I think, with Gattaca. It's got it's very stylish. We'll talk about maybe some of the the production design in Gattaca. And basically, this is set in a future where people stop aging at twenty five, mm. but they are engineered to live only one more year. But what you can do is you can buy extra years from people, and time literally becomes a currency. Um, but in between those two movies, he also made a movie that I think you talked about in our episode about great openings, Ross, Lord of War from 2005. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. which um, is more of a contemporary <laughs> matter of a matter of fact kind of exploration mm-hmm. of, of gun running. And it reunited him with Ethan Hawke, who has nothing but good things to say about Andrew Nichol. And then in 2013, he dipped his toe into the teen dystopian genre, which was all the rage then, of course, with a film called The Host, which is based on uh, Stephanie Meyer, who people would know from Twilight, yeah, one of her books. Well, yeah. It's more of a of a sci-fi thing, and it stars, of course, Saoirse Ronan. Um, but I've not seen it, and I don't know what is it any good. It's a little, it like I mean, if you're like, it's the same writer as Twilight, so do you know what I right. mean? Go figure. Mm. <laughs> it, it didn't, as far as I remember, it didn't get very good reviews at the time. No, it's you know, it, it's all right. Would I seek it out? No, if it was on yeah. television and there was nothing else on, would I watch it? Ah, yeah. You might, do you know right? I mean? And yeah. like, like all it, like those teen sci fi things seem to come in threes or fours if they want to split the last book into whatever. <laughs> yeah. but, but I don't think Stephanie Meyer ever, she might, she might have written more books, but certainly there was no movies coming after it um, but um, then after that in 2014 he made a movie with Ethan Hawke again called Good Kill which I did catch on on satellite it's a pretty good drama about uh, drone pilots in Afghanistan and um, so if you do see that come up and it's mostly kind of Ethan Hawke kind of acting with a capital A in there but mm. you know it's it's a good film um, and since then his CV has been very light you know he is however credited as the writer on an upcoming film based on um, a board game would you like to guess what that is or has anyone looked it up and knows it, already could you <laughs> give us a could you give us a Cluedo uh, it's not Cluedo no I know no. I, did, I didn't say it was I'm saying um, is it Monopoly okay. It is Monopoly, yes, starring Kevin Hart. Yeah, so he's going to write the big screen version of Monopoly, (laughs) starring Kevin Hart. Um, Isn't that just basically the story of capitalism, though? They already did that. I'm sure Andrew Nichol will do something very interesting with it. I hope so, because like I say, he had such promise. He had such promise back with Kevin Hart, yeah, but you know, that's how you get movies made. Mm. Kevin Hart, the comedian, yes. No, Kevin Hart, the, the... physicist what okay it worked with it worked with you know in the Truman Show so with Jim Carrey so you never know yeah yeah I mean I don't yeah I'm not sure game, but... what I feel about Kevin Hart as, as a serious actor I'm not fond of him just generally yeah. really to be honest I'm not yeah but we'll see like I say back in the 90s back in the late 90s like Andrew Nichol was somebody to watch and I think certainly again not to spoil what I thought about this film um I was going, well, he's somebody who'll get me out to watch movies. And um, yeah, like I say, some of some of his CV has maybe not lived up to that potential. But um, I am dying to know. So I've given a plot a synopsis. Yeah. I've given you a little bit of background and I'm dying to know because neither of you had seen this film. Mm. Before I, I ask you what you did think of it, I'll give you a little quote from Mr. Ethan Hawke. OK, and he has 
he this is uh, from an interview that he gave, I think, with Vanity Fair. And he said, when Gattaca came out in 1997, the zeitgeist was not interested in that movie. But over 10 or 15 years later, it comes up all the time. People always want to talk to me about it. Oh. So, um, yeah, Sinead. First yeah, of all, I can so- I can I can totally see that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I don't know where like maybe people weren't ready for it back in 1997. I don't know. But it's interesting because, you know, it is coming out at a time when we're discussing Dolly the sheep who was cloned. <laughs> do you know what I mean? In 1996. So the science, you know, is were kind you, of there in, and stuff. In, yeah. In the schoolyard, were you talking about Dolly the sheep? As well, I do something? remember Dolly the sheep. I remember it being on the news. Listen, smart ass, 1997. <laughs> Come on now. I wasn't that old or that young. No, no. Well, I'm trying to give you a compliment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do, uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, you know, it's it's I, and, uh, and it's that, uh, you know, that was very much in conversation. We were, you know, there was a lot of fear around this. There was a lot of kind of, you know, play it like this idea of playing god you know and messing mm. with nature and stuff like that you know it's really it's really interesting but can we say because you know you were talking about openers there this movie opens brilliantly because you have no idea for the first little while what it is you're actually looking at but essentially it is what we're, what we're actually looking at is grooming we see vincent the main character, you know, he's cutting his nails, he's clipping strands of hair and mm. there's this kind of exfoliating. Visual, yeah, the exfoliating yeah. the skin and there's this de- deception kind of going on and we've no idea what it is. And then, you know, like his nails look like kind of, I don't know, shards of, of glass. And then at once at one point I was like, oh, it's it's snowing. <laughs> <laughs> it's lo- lovely falling snow. No, that'd be his dead skin cells being exfoliated yeah. off. Sinead, like your you know one I mean? from the Breakfast Club would be straight out. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. She'd be, you know, she'd be in there. And you know, it's this kind of. It's such an unusual opening, but um, it's this kind of huge focus straight away on Vincent's attempt at at, at shedding his, you know flaws his, his identity I yeah suppose. his yeah. identity mm-hmm. you know and making sure that this is kind of his inferior cells are gone he's his morning ritual is done and he's kind of so at ease with it or something and then you know he's he's burning the whole thing in in an incinerator at the start and you're just kind of like what on earth is this that we're going to watch you know uh, this mm. is what perfection is ultimately like you know and this is what it what what you need to do to achieve this perfection um so you're intrigued who is this character and then we have the voiceover narrator you know you're introduced to, to Vincent played by Ethan Hawke and uh, you learn that this morning grooming as you mentioned is out of necessity because he is in fact masquerading so it is a lot about you know this pretense and denying who you are uh, on the outside whilst you know staying true to yourself and, and, and kind of what you ultimately want to achieve with your life no matter what kind of implications and um limitations the society that you're born in is, is going to place on you so there's a lot kind of going on here there's a lot of uh deep kind of questions and you know uh this you know that this movie is kind of posing um and i think uh what's what's great about this is you know um like that you know like the like the opening like i mean the visuals are absolutely stunning in this and i as far as i know a lot of this is set design like it's not resorting to you know too many special effects really going on here and whilst this is about 
this guy and getting to space it's about the journey to space it's not about getting in a rocket it's not going to be apollo 13 there's going to be none of that going on which i was a little bit surprised about but it doesn't yeah take from it I mean, at if, all if, if you're expecting spacesuits i mean there you. are suits suits in this film and they all look fantastic mm. yes but they're, they're like double double breasted suits and you know fantastic kind of fashion it it you know it, it's a very I, I'm not sure what you would call it. I mean, futuristic I, I think fashion, is it? It's all very future, kind of futuristic. Uniform, I mean, isn't it? yeah, and like there is a bit of a of a noir tinge to the yes. movie as well, mm. a little bit. But it's sci-fi. It creates a very uniform or very well realized world, but um, it's a world that's as much. Uh, it's got one foot in the past as much as it has in the future. Yeah, and I loved yeah. that they didn't kind of, you know, say this is the year, you know, 2022. It was very like, you know, this is the near future kind of thing, which I liked that it kind of just kept it kind of open ended. Um, mm. And like that, you like, as you mentioned there, the noir, because you do, in fact, have this murder mystery at the at the center of this. And you're kind of going, you know, it's leading you one way and then it goes another way. And then, as you mentioned, Alan Arkin, I mean, what a joy he is just in every movie that he's in. But he's great light relief in this because there's a lot of kind of it's all very serious. And it's, you know, there's there's a lot of kind of heaviness going on. And then he comes in and just lightens the mood with his yeah. just there's, brilliant there's, take I as mean, the detective, isn't he? Yeah, him him and Jude Law kind of bring the, the laughs. And I'm not yes. saying the laughs, but it would be so self-serious without those two characters and yeah. they are just beautifully pitched and beautifully played as well. Oh, they really are. Yeah. And like Jude Law, you know, he's so, so bitter and torn. He's at much at, at war with society as Ethan Hawke's character is because he's, you know, very much um, cast aside uh, despite the fact that he is somebody that's seen as, you know, the, the, the best of the best and what everyone strives to be but because he's now in his wheelchair he is discarded so he is as much a part of not only the masquerade but also he's going to get to space too <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> it's his cells it's his yeah it's his blood it's his pee <laughs> it's he becomes else, as you know? much he becomes as much into it as yes. ethan hawk's character is. he really yeah. does yeah he really yeah, does well at the start you definitely get the the fact that he was very resentful towards the character for maybe living the oh, life that he should have had he has a fantastic mm. introduction <laughs> and i i think this is one of the first films that i i saw him in and I went, that's a guy to watch. He really is. And mm. he would go on, certainly, in a couple of years after this to be in Talented Mr. Ripley, which has a lot in common with this film because it has a character mm. trying to <coughs> tend to be, you know, Jude Law's character in it. Um, yeah. And uh, But, yeah, Tony Shalhoub, uh, for people who haven't seen the film, I would say go and see it. But he uh, is the kind of black marketer who is kind of mm. going to hook these two together. It, he introduces Ethan Hawke's character to Jude Law's character by talking about his genetics and going, he was an athlete and he, he could run through a wall, he says, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if he could still run. And Jude Law just wheels himself in and mm. he looks, he's got a cigarette hanging from his mouth. <laughs> he's got rings under his eyes and then he's got a chip on his shoulder. Like mm. from the start. Well, but do you know the what? They both them... do. They both have a chip on yeah. their shoulder, you yeah. know? And that's the thing. And that's the, like, they have so much in common by this point. Um, 
that and then like I loved kind of how the characters developed how they became kind of you know almost sort of uh, the odd couple do you know what I mean that's yeah. Uh, exactly yeah that's like, what I thought bitter kind of oh you know you're drinking again you know says uh, <laughs> yeah. Ethan Hawke to Jude Law they're like Law. an all married you're... couple in some ways yes yeah. totally yeah. they totally are and you but... know it's, it's, it's a great dynamic they work so so well together and I think you know Ethan Hawke really is perfect for this because he's got that kind of the right amount of serious and the right amount of, I suppose, uh, why kind of play a bit of, of comedy. With, yeah. Yeah. And he does. He, 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 he gives Jude Law room for the comedy. He delivers mm-hmm. the, the deadpan line and then he lets Jude Law have the floor kind of thing. So there's this great banter be- between them all. I mean, we should probably bring in Emma Thurman here because you know for somebody that is so uh, such a, an incredible actress I, have a, I I think she's amazing and often underrated and I know in this I don't want to say that her role is merely the love interest because it's not but yeah. I do feel like she could have been used a lot more I do feel like she was very left to the kind of side kind of almost if it, I don't want to say I'm going to fucking say it, actually. She's almost like a mannequin at times. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're kind of going, okay. give her more. It's Emma Thurman, that's, you know? That's interesting now. And I, I did rewatch it. And I'm dying to hear what Ross thought about this because um, I know he's he's dying to get in and mm. tell us. But um, before we do, just because I did rewatch it and go, if that was, if it was being made today, yeah. he, she would need to be a more well-drawn character I think yeah. or well, well I mean she plays it really well but yeah. then I thought about it and I thought she's essentially playing and this doesn't really excuse the fact that maybe she's a little bit underwritten in this a Hitchcock blonde you know what I mean yeah. she's mm. this ice queen she's and I think she does it really well with what she has but maybe Andrew Nichols and it was funny in your introduction you talked about it being a kind of a a masculine film and yeah. it's all about the men and it has a lot of homoerotic undertones oh, I it think, does. you know um but uh yeah i mean maybe we'll talk about that at the end when we talk yes. about kind of what it has to do with mm-hmm. neo-noir and stuff like that but um ross please put me out of my misery yeah well look i actually just thought it was an interesting <laughs> point you were saying about uma Thurman's character and i actually think uh, describing her like a mannequin i think is very accurate because i think in a, a lot of ways most of the characters besides maybe Ethan Hawke and Jude Laws are quite bland characters and I think the reason for that is the, the eugenics in it the uniformity of it because it reminded me of when I was watching a video recently where they went back at old records and um, before they had auto-tune before things were done perfectly and they showed you the mistakes of it and then they said look we can actually fix the notes they took a le- old Led Zeppelin record and they said look we can fix the notes he's just a little hair's bread off here so they fixed it with a lot of tune and played it back and it just seemed kind of soulless um I, I suppose my point is being that maybe the things that make life beautiful and exciting and all those things aren't all the polished perfect pristine things it's quite it's the imperfections that really make things interesting yeah, and yeah give it a little spice yeah so we Absolutely. see a whole cast of I, characters here in their like uh, w- when they're working together and they're probably in their 20s and stuff like that and usually that'd be quite a lively um uh, place with a lot of different opinions and that but everyone seems exactly the same and i suppose that's maybe the price of something like eugenics when 
you mm. you get everyone to, to be the same. I think it's reflected in the suits, which are nice. You know, they're nice, but they all look the same. You see it in the architecture. I know you mentioned the set pieces earlier on, which they really played up. They had this brutalist architecture, which is a type of architecture that was really popular in the fifties. You see some of examples of that in Dublin, in like oh, Central Bank UCD. and, and UCD. UCD. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's basically poured concrete, and it just yeah. like it was. It was a big. It was a big uh, architecture movement in the fifties, but it feels soulless and lifeless and yeah. <laughs> you know and i, yeah. I, I think i don't think any of us i don't think any of us would like to live in the world of gas oh god no yeah. no um i mean it i mean maybe I, I think the suits are fantastic but like you say they are <laughs> they are all shades of gray literally yeah. <laughs> 50 shades of gray on display in this um but uh, you know Jude, <laughs> no not sexy jude law has some nice waistcoats that are nice yes. and beautiful kind of crushed velvet ties and things like that but um and the cars are like the aesthetic of it is fantastic but it Mm. is this 50s brutalist stuff but what did you think about the film ross and had you (laughs) like had it been on your radar before it hadn't been on my radar i had heard it mentioned kind of in passing i not really looked into i knew it was a sci-fi movie and that's all i really knew about it i actually thought if i was being honest that when I was going down to watch it, that it would be more sci-fi, you know, into space right. sci-fi. So I was actually gra- I was actually happy to see it was more of a grounded kind of um, grounded kind of basically. I I thought it was basically a big big budget art movie that happened to be set in the future. Do you know a, a slight bit? Um, That's fair. But yeah, and 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 I uh, no, I, I was really surprised by it. It was very understated. It took its time to tell a story. And um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought Ethan Hawkes was, was, was brilliant in it. And he has, I think he's, he, as you said, he's been very, he's spoken very fondly and kindly of this movie. He says, look, it wasn't a big hit at the time or anything like that. But as you mentioned earlier on, he says people come up and talk to him about this movie quite a lot and more and more. And I think he might have said in an interview once that this is like one of his favorite films of his. And he thinks it's a much like a, one of the best films ever made, I think, which might be. I have, I have the quote here actually oh yeah he is as gattaca is one of the best films in the history of cinema i firmly <laughs> believe this andrew nickel is so smart this film announced the arrival of a really really original mind i'm not sure if i agree with that no like i say i'm a big fan of the movie but mm. come on ethan yeah. yeah that's maybe overstating it a little bit but yeah. you know it's good to see he's passionate about his own yeah. work um I, but no i thought it was really good and i suppose before that i had like eden hawks had been he'd been in a couple of hits he'd been in dead poet society alive reality bites and before sunrise um i actually haven't seen before sunrise or alive but oh well that, I, that's an episode now we could watch all i three actually have Ethan not Hawk, done yeah. the link later before and after sunrise either oh yeah okay. oh yeah. i'd yeah i'd like to do it yeah that's yeah. perfect we'll all go in not know it well i i have seen yeah of course not yeah. all of them but one. <laughs> Is there i've three seen of them? one i've seen there's is there three or four? No, that's how there's three of them. There's three of three. them, I think. Okay. Yeah, and one was made like fairly recently, I think, yes. in the last couple of years. Um, but um, yeah, so like, but but I'd seen him in Reality Bites, and I was like, oh, he's kind of like a mopey, um, what's his name, Ulrich, what's the name, Skeet Ulrich type nineties oh, yeah. kid with the curtain hair, the greasy curtain hair, and the oh, I hate the man and uniformity, and I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I like early Ethan Hawke's, but I actually really are Ethan Hawke, but I really liked him in this movie, and he actually in some scenes he reminded me a little bit of a young Tom Cruise, and that isn't just because he looks a little bit like a young Tom Cruise, he, he does the same kind yeah. of energy, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, which I and he really good. gets to show off his range in this because for mm. so much of it he's kind of but so first of all we kind of meet him as 
I don't want to say sl- like slacker him, but you know what I mean? He's not poly, you know. Yeah. We we see him as this guy who kind of doesn't know where his place is, but knows he wants to get up into the stars. And he kind of is awkward a little bit. And when he, <laughs> when he's he's working as a janitor in the Gattaca building, and then we see him transformed into Jerome, you know, the polished button down, the tight kind of everything is repressed there. And we also see him then as as he kind of gets to have a relationship with Uma Thurman's character. And then we see him kind of at, at some time just let loose and kind of give a, acting with a capital A, shouting mm. at people and going, no, this is I'm I am making my own destiny. I'm not going yeah. to be kind of told, you know. Um, so I think it's a great part from him and he, he does it really well. And again, like we were saying, that odd couple relationship that he has with, with Jude Law is just fantastic. And they both they both play off each other so well. Like Jude Law is, mm. I was surprised to, in my head, Jude Law was introduced much earlier in this film. But when I was rewatching, mm. I was like, "God, where, where's Jude Law? He hasn't yeah. come into it yet." You know. Well, it does take its time. You see this movie, yes, and that's the thing does, that people definitely need to to know going into it. And I mean, I do think that that unfairly critics have said it plodded along. Like I wouldn't have said that now. No, it's definitely it well, it, yeah, yeah, like you say, totally takes its time, well paced, and you know, like I didn't feel bored i didn't feel like time was dragging i didn't feel like mm. get to the point at all throughout this yeah. because it is about this guy's journey to space you know what i mean yeah. and journey to kind of finally get into what he's always wanted all mm. his life so that shit's got to take time and, and you can put in though, the sorry i was just gonna oh, say the important yeah. thing is like not it's like we said the journey to space thing is just what his dream is yeah it's mm. really just about kind of going Society has put these limitations on me, but I am better than these limitations. Yeah. So yeah, it, it could be could, about him bowling a perfect ten or something. It yeah. could exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, like I say, if you're expecting a lot of rocket ship action, you're not good. Not good. To well, he does look at a lot of them. Yeah, he, he does. does. <laughs> true. Yeah. It seems like they're as regular as trains in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you do get the impression as well that from Uma Thurman and his doctor character that. A lot of people don't really necessarily agree with the division in the society. Yeah. You know, yeah. as well, um, which especially the doctor, because when they're on about we can get rid of uh, hereditary baldness. I was like, when they, he, you know, the doctor clearly <laughs> didn't pick that. So, yeah, yeah. you know, um, yeah. um, but, uh, but when we were talking there about um, about Jude Law, it really like felt like once he got in the movie, it just really open up or something like that because i it, it, it was apparent to me because it was still quite early in his career that he had such incredible star power yeah when, yes. like I, I feel like even though ethan hawks is uh, ethan hawks is really good ethan hawk is really good in this movie i think jude law you know they have great chemistry together jude law can steal a scene from him and yeah he does he definitely does yeah i was surprised with how um i don't know magnetic or something is and it's nearly a shame we don't see him that much anymore i don't know why yeah I don't know. I mean, he, he did a big theater project, which was also on Sky. Oh, that I call was it great. Theater, um, which it was like a whole weekend of a thing where he literally played like there were three was parts it the third to day it. Or yes, yeah, like I think that. that's what it was yeah, called. That was yeah. excellent. He's on this yeah. kind of these stranded. It's a little bit wicker manish. Yes, he's like mm. stranded on a kind of. Um, 
is it an island or a it's something it is an island yeah. yeah he goes he goes out and then he's left it like it's it's very complicated so i'd have to have the kind oh of, yeah you'd have to but watch it sounded it fascinating and uh, but part of it was i think a 24-hour stream yes. live of oh, him wow. in it yeah. yeah and like i remember tuning in i didn't see all of it to my shame but um uh part of the stream was him dragging a boat across this yeah. island yeah. and it was literally him doing it yeah. you know so uh, that, guess, that is really good actually people should seek that out I, i'm fairly sure it's called the third, third day. day i think you're right yeah, yeah. and, it, and uh, there's there's three parts to it i think yes. there's um there's the the kind of tv series and i think maybe like there's two episodes or three episodes in the first part then there's the live stream and then there's two or three episodes and is, in the, i think the is final Niel, part. Uh, naomi what's her name she was in um, naomi harris from yes from yeah, 28 from days later yeah. yeah oh okay yeah she's in it as well she's excellent in it as well um mm. yeah people should see that and like that you know you're right though ross it's kind of like where is he gone to because mm. you, you like this is jude law really as you say niall coming this is just before talented mr ripley he's just at that cusp of absolute superstardom you know and it's i think it's all in the way it's it's all in the looks isn't it like i mean he he it really is. his eyes just like yeah. want you to they you're you're mesmerized by the by his eyes and how he looks and you're just completely drawn in by this guy like and even yeah. though he's this kind of alcoholic rude bitter <laughs> guy you know you're just kind of like oh well dude love <laughs> yeah whatever you want to do let's do it well so, it's brilliant yeah. it's a real it's a real example i think of an actor <laughs> taking you know what's in the script and going you know well it's all about like you say it's about those looks and a, a director then knowing we need to cut to jude for this because that you know it's it's all about what's unsaid really with that yeah. character you know mm. but the, uh, like i say again very funny very dry humor from mm. him as well and heartbreaking i'm not going to yeah. say what happens but you know yeah. it just fits it perfectly it really it does, feels weird yeah. that there's so many like this and to handle Mr. Ripley. It seems so weird that in the late 90s, there were so many movies where it was people trying to pass as Jude Law, who looked nothing like Jude Law. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you know? Yeah, because we talk about that, actually, because like I'm going, why? How do they not know that Ethan Hawke and Jude Law do not look like each other? And they, well, they get I, scanned, I, ev they scan, yeah, get every scanned day, everywhere yeah. in the picture. Yeah. And appears. <laughs> I think the picture that appears was actually, it was a, it's what a you morphed, call it, a composite of, yeah, of, composite. of yeah. Jude now Law I could, and Hawke. Looking at that picture, I could believe that that whoever that picture was of you know, had been in an accident and lost a lot of weight and what have you. You know what I mean? There, there mm. was that, that you could kind of, you could fudge it, you know, and whatever about the future that they were in, their high D, high definition screen technology was not good, was it? Yeah. No, it wasn't. No. <laughs> it was it was like an old kind of 50s kind of thing. You kind of went, oh, it's it's flickering in and there and it's grand, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. As much regard as, you know, the bouncers in Drogheda when I was 17. <laughs> Looking at your and did they make you, did they take a blood sample? They made put your finger on here? And then... No, I handed them a picture of Jude Law and they said, go on, you're grand, go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, look, I mean, obviously because I picked it, so I love this film. Um, like we say, it's a sci-fi film, but it... It's not really about the future. It's as much about the future as it is about the past. And it owes so much, I think, like we're saying, to films of the past, like film noir, mm. the shadowy photography. You've got mm. these 
detectives in fedoras there's a sheen even on the the day this the scenes that are set outside it's kind of a you kind of get the idea that there's been something with the ozone layer and everything is just tinged in orange you know and essentially it's about in this case you know it's the innocent man wrongly accused but in this case it's the the innocent man rightfully accused because he didn't commit a murder all right but you get the idea that the fact that he's been impersonating and uh, yeah. somebody else and playing off himself as someone else is probably in this society just as much of a crime and like all the best film noirs as we say we do have the trusting woman played by Uma Thurman as Irene in this and like I say has a lot in common with a Hitchcock blonde um, and as the film goes on, she pieces together just what the main character's secret is and what he's concealing at the same time as she falls in love with him. Um, I do agree with you. I think that she's maybe a little bit underwritten, but there's so much to like in this that I do kind of go, OK, well, he wasn't interested in really telling that story. Yeah, no, he wasn't. Um, and I mean, like if he went into it too much, does it take away from it? That I don't know. Like, I mean, it's... It's not completely jarring. It's just, as you rightfully say, I think had this been done today, would Uma Thurman necessarily have picked the part? Mm. You know, would it have been written a bit more? You know, that's my own. Well, you, we got to remember this flaw, was the same. You know? This is the same same year she started in Batman and Robin, so she probably oh, okay. She probably would have taken. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Um, well, I, th- I think it's it's highlighted <laughs> as well by the fact that you know she. I can't count like apart from Vincent's mother. I can't count another female character yeah. in this film really. There may in the in the lines of drones who work in Gattaca There's a few. There yeah. there is a few, but there is like certainly when you do the Bechtel test and go it, well yeah. <laughs> it kind of fails that. But And actually did you know this is this film was also the film um debut of one Mayor Rudolph? Oh yes, yeah, I heard that. Did, yeah, and do I, you know where course, she is in it? No. No, was she one As of the the drones or was she one no, she was, was just, she, the she was one of the nurses who yeah. spends most of the time with a mask over her face so yeah, he, and she okay. holds a baby you can barely see her in it but there you go because ken marino who's a, a another actor that people would yes. recognize he does the voice when she goes with a little sample because you can go and get if you if you yes. snog someone in a nightclub you can go and get their full genetic makeup by going to a little boot to see if they're genetically compatible or not and Ken Marino plays the technician, but you only hear his voice and maybe see his hands. I think. Yeah. They had such um, comedy gold in there. I know, yeah, it could have been a comedy. It could have been hilarious. Um, but I think the, the compelling thing about this film are, you know, the timeless kind of questions that it will bring up. And we mm. might maybe talk about them now. Um, you know, the other thing maybe we talk about there's lack of representation of women in this film there's also maybe a lack of representation of of, um, coloured people Um, Blair Underwood plays he's very early on and I think Ross you you reference it there Vincent's parents go to him he's the technician and you know they say blue eyes and fair skin and hair and he is uh, you know black and blonde and dark dark but you don't see yeah, yeah. Just, no, I'm just saying the last thing we've heard so much about eugenics was with the Nazis. So yeah, <laughs> it's a bit yeah. of a. Yeah. Um, but you don't see a lot of other coloured faces in Gattaca in the no. lines or or what have you. Um, but um, it does like there's a film that actually is out this year directed by an actor whose name I can't remember, but I have it here. Rebecca Hall is the actor's name called Passing. 
and it stars mm. oh uh, i really want to see that yeah, yeah it's on netflix at the moment yes yeah yeah and i haven't watched it yet but it's on my list and it's set in the 1920s in new york and it's essentially about a black woman who um meets up with one of her childhood friends who has been passing as wife. So another black woman, Ruth Nega, I think, is somebody who's been passing as wife. And it has, you kind of, you can see echoes of that in this film. This idea that you're you're passing yourself off as something else and you're constantly worried that you're going to be, um, you know, outed or you're going to be um, uh, revealed to be not what you say you are. And there is, I mean, I don't usually go, well, we'll have this clip of, of the movie because I don't usually do my homework well enough to go this would be a good clip but there is a very good clip there's a fantastic scene in this where um Ethan Hawke is been told by Uma Thurman that the G-men or the Hoovers which is a fantastic name because they go around yeah. hoovering up all of the genetic material um they are they could be on to him Right. And they're rushing back to the apartment or the, oh, the yes. place where he lives with Jude Law um, to meet uh, to meet Jerome. Right. So basically Jude Law has to pull himself up this fantastic spiral staircase, which looks just like a, a DNA helix to get there, to let them in. And then Uma Thurman is re- she comes in and she has to kind of go, OK, this is not the, the Jerome that I know. But if I let if I if I let the cat out of the bag now, there's going to be trouble. So she plays along with it. And then when the police leave, Ethan Hawke slowly walks up the stairs and he kind of confesses it all to her and she runs out. And there's a great scene between the two of them just where he explains kind of the the thrust of his character, I suppose, to it. So we might play that. I don't even know who you are. I'm the same person I was yesterday. I can't hear any more of your lies, Julia. Oh, my name is Vincent. Right? Vincent Anton Freeman, and I'm a faith birth or a degenerate, whatever you want to call it. But I am not a murderer. You're a godchild. But we do have one thing in common. Only I don't have 20 or 30 years left in mine. Mine is already 10,000 beats overdue. It's not possible. You are the authority on what is not possible. Aren't you, Irene? They have got you looking so hard for any flaw that after a while, that's all that you see. For whatever it's worth, I'm here to tell you that it is possible. Yeah, so I mean, all the acting is going on there. Acting with a capital A. Yes. But, um, I, I they, thought it was really, really unfair. They lived in a house with a spiral staircase yeah, what's at the front door for, for a guy who was in a wheelchair. You know, that just seems really yeah. Well, I mean, I, cruel. I guess that was. I, I'm not sure that like was that his house. You know, beforehand. Prior it seemed to, yeah. to be like there were two ways you could get in and out, and mm. like there was that way and the other way, whatever. But don't like there are a lot of you could poke holes in this. Oh, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. I don't, don't think don't you want to. Yeah. No, no, no. But like so, it, that segment is fantastic as well. Like as you, as you say, you know, just you're going, oh my god, get up the fucking stairs, like, <laughs> like you know, and he's and just like, oh, the strength, all of his strength yeah, is going into yeah. this, like you know. And then when uh, when he does get up, and and you know, and they they pull off this ruse, and they fool the police, 
Ethan Hawke comes slowly up the stairs and, and says, how did you get up the stairs? And Jude Law says, I, I've been faking it. I could walk this whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, uh, I have a couple of other things I just want to talk about really quickly. Like yeah. the score of this movie oh, yeah. really is good. fantastic. Michael Nyman, who I would have known from 1993's The Piano before this and has done some of the best scores, I think, in, in cinema, uh, especially working with Peter Greenaway. But I think the score for this is one of my favourites by him. I mean, it's... it's Rewatching it again, I was asking myself, is it a little bit overwrought? Is it a little bit too... But I just wonder, am I just getting cynical in my old age? Because when I saw it back in the, t- back in the day in the cinema, I was going, this is perfect. This is brilliant. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about the score, either of you. It could have had it the is, potential. It is very, Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just saying it. What it is very dramatic. You could yeah. lead into being overly dragged, but I think it kind of fits the movie. Mm. I, so it I does. think it's wholly appropriate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> and then my other question is a pretty big one: eugenics. What do we think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've come a long it's way a from Dolly the it? Sheep. Well, we have, would... and we've kind of come to the, like, not far off the point where, you know, certainly yeah. people could go, I'd like my baby to have blue eyes or like, you know, things mm. like that. There's there's a certain, I remember watching a thing and obviously there's a massive difference say, between eugenics and plastic surgery or, or anything like that. But mm. when you're starting to look at something like plastic surgery, you might see someone who's had all too much of it and you'd say, well, look, that's too much. You know, they, yeah. they shouldn't do that. And you can see a starting point of, say, someone need a reconstructive surgery after an accident or um, something like that. You could say, well, that's wholly appropriate. And it's finding out where the, where's the middle ground of that. If someone's unhappy about, say, how their nose looks or how their chin looks and it would help their mental health, wouldn't that help things? But then isn't that making it more acceptable for us all as a society to put more pressure on people to fix the things that we perceive as being wrong with them? So it's a really awkward balancing act to get right and when it comes to something like eugenics yes you want to make sure you don't get like a congenital heart disease or something like that or you know if there's a history of you know aneurysms or something like that if you could eliminate stuff like that absolutely but when it comes to picking your child's height or their hair color their eye color uh, that's where it starts to get a little bit messy i think Mm. yeah it's Mm. playing too much you know nature i think and you know this idea I mean, like in this, you know, like apart from Jude Law, who's great, you know, an awful lot of these so-called superior beings are just downright boring, aren't they? They do I mean, seem like they really are boring, work, don't they? are drones, worker <laughs> they drones. Don't, they you know they don't I mean? seem like they're any crack at all. No, no crack. So I'm <laughs> all about the imperfections. <laughs> there is a point where he comes down the stairs and goes, I'm going out for a work do, but he's really going out with uh, with Uma Thurman. But and Jude Law kind of knows, and there's this. This is what we were talking about, kind of the. It's not, you know, homoerotic a little bit, but it's you get the idea that they they there's a huge bromance going on oh, at yeah. this point mm-hmm. in it, you know. And Jude Law is going, well, he's vicariously living the life that I could have, and I could be going out with her, but I can't because I'm in the wheelchair and all this. And he comes down, you know, he's fixing his cufflinks on his impeccable suit, whatever, and he says, uh, yeah, no, it's a work thing, and I have to go because otherwise it would be. And I was going, what is a work do at Gassica like? <laughs> <laughs> What's the Gassica Christmas party like? Oh, Jesus. You know? yeah. Something to talk about in the war affair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but what I like about this movie as well is it takes a, a big idea like that and then it brings you into the theatre where 
the, the parents are sat down with the doctor and he says, well, don't you want to give your child every advantage? Mm. And you can mm. kind of see the reasoning why, because like that's, you know, surely <coughs> what parents want. They want, you know, a good upbringing for their children. If they can give them every edge, do we see that with people paying extra to go to private schools and stuff like that? If, you know, some people do that or, you know, or they, you know, make sure their kids join this club or that club or hangs out with this sort of person or whatever like that. So parents do that all the time. And I feel like if you sat down and thing and they're like, hey, listen, you can do whatever you want. You can give it, make this kid, give them all the advantages. I feel most parents probably would. <laughs> you yeah. know? I think what you'd go for is there's a part where Xander Berkeley is in this film, an actor who I always enjoy when I see him. He plays the doctor. I can't remember oh, his name at the yeah, start who does the tests. And this is a great example of Chekhov's urine test, I think, because it, start, it becomes inc very important at the end of the film. And, um, you know, he he's doing a urine test and the doctor kind of comments on his equipment mm. and he says, I wish my parents had signed up for that. So that's what <laughs> Ross would like. He's just go. Yeah, I wish I wish my parents had signed up for that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's I think we all that would be great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, just to bring things a little bit. <laughs> yeah, down, we did you say know, it was before. all a bit masculinity, I suppose. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, we didn't actually mention the fact that, um, you know, there is this great display of masculinity uh, throughout the film when it goes kind of uh, between um, Vincent and his brother Anton, who mm. they used to play basically as kids. They used to always challenge each other to see who could swim out the furthest. And, you know, it was this great idea of almost mind over body uh, when Vincent finally does actually go further than his brother and needs to double back to rescue the so-called superior from drowning yeah. you know what i mean and it's just it's a great uh it's a great little motif that runs through eight mm. because it they does. kind of keep yeah, doing yeah. this yeah they keep and you get the idea other. that that him being able to do that gives him the strength to kind of strike out on his own and then yeah. go this is what my dream is so i'm going to follow it yeah, yeah. i mean there, there's so much game oh so it is very yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great film. It really is. If people haven't seen it, um, it, it shows up, I think, on TV uh, a bit. And I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere, but I would certainly recommend it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I was very glad to have watched it. It's one of those ones that I kind of flown under the radar, but I was glad to get the opportunity to sit down and the suggestions to sit down and watch it because I feel like it's one that if you watch it, I think most people, from what I can see from what people are saying about it online, that most people loved it after watching it. So Yeah. No, definitely yeah. it is. It's one... Definitely to watch. And, you know, as you say, for all of the above that we've discussed for the acting, the incredible acting, the, the great storyline, the visual feast that you'll have, the incredible music. It is. It's a great all rounder of a movie. And it's a shame at the time that it didn't just kind of get that attention that it deserved. But um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Worth and it's not it's not one of the it's not the kind of movie I think that is made anymore no, unfortunately you not know at all. um but yeah um one of the best films in cinema history ethan hawk yeah. uh, stretch ethan a stretch <laughs> certainly yeah. certainly one of the best films in your cinema history yes yeah <laughs> so and also um the movie where he met uma thurman and yes. then right. of course right. had yeah. a daughter yeah. maya hawk who we'd seen in, in stranger things as well so yeah yeah and she was genetically engineered, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She is a perfect 50-50 split between Ethan Hawke and Uma yeah. Thurman. I think, I think it's just the there. good genetics there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We hope you enjoyed our look at Gattaca. And remember, film fans, don't be messing with Mother Nature too much. Nothing should be too perfect. It keeps things a lot more interesting. Till next time, bye. Nothing should be too perfect. That's what I. That's why I'm on this podcast. <laughs> see you at the movies. Well, mm. well, the movies are open now, so you can go and see movies now. There's great movies did, out. Did someone say too perfect? <laughs> bye. <laughs> You have been listening to The Real Take, presented by Sinead Brassel, Ross Leedy, and Niall O'Brien. Our music was provided by actor, artist, and musician Will Guppy. You can find him on Instagram at will.guppy. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Real Take Podcast. If you would like to contact us to tell us how fantastic we are, you can reach us at The Real Take Podcast at gmail.com See you at the movies.